Welcome to the Dope CFO Podcast, where you can find the best information for accountants and bookkeepers that want to start and grow a highly profitable and flexible remote cannabis accounting firm with your host, Andrew Hunziker. Now that's dope. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Hunziker, CPA, also CFO, founder of Dope CFO as well. About my background, I've been a CPA for over 25 years, was at a big four, including PricewaterhouseCoopers. I won the gold medal award for the highest score on the CPA exam, as well as was runner-up for the Portland, Oregon Business Journal CFO of the Year Award in 2017, and I was the first ever cannabis CFO to be nominated. Done lots of startup work as well. Um and love um, teaching all of our community. We have now over 500 people in all 50 states in our Dope CFO program. Hey, everybody. Super excited today to have Rick Lenave, CPA out of New York. Um, he's been in our program at Dope CFO for quite some time. But why don't you give the quick quick and dirty summary of your background and how long you've been in cannabis? Even remind me, has it been a couple of years? Yeah. So I started Accounting Buds about two and a half to three years now. Um, it was a few months before the pandemic started. I was doing management consulting under my own label before that. And uh, previous to that, I spent my entire career in financial services in Manhattan, uh, starting off as a lot of accountants do in public accounting, working on banks and financial service clients, and then moving to be the right-hand man for CFOs of three different public companies, all which were, again, in financial services or fintech space. You've got that financial service background. Um, I hooked you up with Cassidy, another guy in our program that's coming out of banking. So we're getting more and more bank experts in the the program. And this is an issue um, that's been fraught with fraud and illegal money laundering, whether it's cashless ATMs or or even, I can't even remember who it was that was doing everyone nationally and they just got shut down. They were tricking the banks. Oh. Um, so what? maybe give us an update on where we are in the industry with merchant services sure. and so, what's the latest trick. Or it's still a mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it will be, it will continue to be until either safe banking passes or cannabis gets uh, descheduled. But until that happens, it's going to be a mess. It's getting a little better because um, there's a few more players that are interested in getting involved. The reasons why it's a mess is that we'll start there. Because cannabis is still a Schedule One substance, um, any financial transactions that occur in the eyes of the federal government, even if it's in a legalized state working with legalized companies, in the eyes of the federal government, any money moving is money laundering. Um, technically, um, you know, money that I'm receiving from my clients as payment for my services in the eyes of the federal government is money laundering. They're not going to prosecute, but that's, you know, we got to keep that in context because what happens is these big banks don't want to be involved in cannabis because since it is considered money laundering at the federal level, they cannot risk their charter with the Federal Reserve Bank on the chance that even though nobody's prosecuting, nobody's doing anything today, that tomorrow the situation flips and someone's like, oh, we're going to go make an example of Chase Bank. Yeah. They're, they're participating in money laundering because they're accepting cash from cannabis companies. 
can you imagine if the rest of the entire Chase business went under because of that? Like if you're their CEO yeah. or their board, you're going to say, don't touch cannabis. We can't risk our Federal Reserve, yeah. you know, like our account, our charter. Um, so that's what makes it difficult. Um, but you're seeing like a lot of like local credit unions on the banking side jump in because they don't necessarily have that uh, account or charter with the Federal Reserve they have to worry about. They're just state-based and they're, it's legal in their state, so they have a lot less concerns. Um, that's on the banking side. On the merchant processing side, it's similar. So, you know, a company like MasterCard or Visa, their rules state that you can't use credit cards for cannabis. And the reasons are the same because they don't want to be involved in money laundering. It's really comes yeah. down to the same, same basic deal. principle. Um, so, what people also don't realize is MasterCard and Visa and a couple other companies similar to them also control, like they control the credit card rails, it's called, which is the network. It's the, you know, when you swipe your card, it runs through a system of wires and computers and everything else to make that transaction happen. MasterCard, Visa, and some other credit card companies own those rails. They own the networks. They own the computers. Yeah. It's the same thing with ATM cards. MasterCard and Visa actually own a bunch of those um, systems and rails. And there's some other ones too. Like back a couple of years ago, if you turned your debit, your credit or ATM card over, you'd see the, the list of like, you kind of see the logos of different companies on there that your, that your ATM card works with. You don't do that as much today because they're all interoperable, but those were the companies that own the systems. So what happens in the with the cashless ATMs, for example, which is one of the ones where it's widely used in the industry, but it's also one that is flat out blatantly fraudulent. Um, and I have no problem saying that. And <laughs> I have clients that use it. I just explain to them the risks of it. But what what's happening is the people that own the systems have said you cannot use cannabis, you cannot process cannabis transactions. So companies are doing one of one of two things. We'll get to the cashless ATM in a second. What some companies are doing is they're actually taking credit cards and they're swiping them and they're categorizing them as non-cannabis transactions. Oh, you bought a t-shirt for $300. Oh, you bought something else. Well, and then kind that's of fraud. Cannabis. Yeah. Gifting. Well, it's similar to gifting. So some people are doing gifting with that methodology and some people are, aren't even bothering with the gifting because it's legal to sell, like they have licenses and it's legal to sell in their state. They just literally are swiping it through and saying, you bought a t-shirt, uh, you bought a Gucci t-shirt or something for $300 instead of cannabis. And by the way, that, that so the, the reason that is fraud is that shows up on the bank feed as a t-shirt and it's your, that's fraudulent reporting to the bank. Right. And that's where the guys out in California, the ease guys got in trouble. So yeah. they were doing the same thing. As far as I know, they weren't gifting, but what they were doing is, they were showing up with credit card readers on their delivery. They would hand you your product, they'd swipe your card, and they'd put it through as an internet transaction at an online store where you were buying a t-shirt or a yeah. book or something like that. So they it was it wasn't California that came after them. It was I always get these wrong, the federal attorney general, whatever that the right term yeah. is for that, of the Southern District of New York, where the banks were located, where the banks said, oh, this is something looks weird here. When the guy started investigating, he found that they were intentionally misclassifying these transactions, which is fraud. It's against the terms of service of the MasterCard and Visa. And, you know, the CEO, CFO and COO, I believe, uh, last I checked, I haven't checked in a while, we're all on the hook to one, pay back massive sums of money and two, we're up 
for three to 10 years of jail time each, and they were going to start turning on each other. Wow. Um, <laughs> so it's not like what I, so it's not something to be played around with. Yeah. Um, and the cashless ATMs is a similar thing. So yeah, how do those work? Maybe explain if you walk yeah. into the dispensary, what do you, if you're just buying, so you walk in with your ATM card and it looks like a regular uh, credit card swipe machine or you stick your you know credit card in type of machine but what's happening is the dispensary is running your atm card as if it's an atm transaction so let's say your um your purchase actually comes to 55 dollars yeah atms usually round up to the nearest either 10 or 20 dollars depending on the machine so they'll round it up to 60 dollars okay. they'll put your credit your, your debit card your atm card in their machine they'll type in 60 bucks um they may take a fee on it too so maybe it was 55 for your purchase two dollar fee to 57 they charge you 60 they give you three dollars of cash back okay. um and that's the end of the transaction or maybe depending on their fee they just they, they swipe 60 and you've just paid 60 for your 55 dollars worth of um, product but that's fine too the, the reason they call it a cashless atm is because a regular ATM, you go up to it, you put your card in, you receive cash out of the machine, and then you go use the cash for what you want. What this is doing is it's kind of mimicking a debit card with cash back type of transaction where you're using your ATM card and they're just giving you the difference of what they swiped versus what the product cost in cash. Now, the problem with that is those machines are classified in order for that ATM card to work, they're classifying that transaction using an ATM code. So every time you swipe something, just like we were talking about the credit cards, they're classifying it as a t-shirt versus cannabis. It's not actually a, a, a name they put in. They, they put a code one, two, three, four means yeah. retail transaction type of thing. Right. So they're using the ATM code for these machines they're using, but that code is, intended to only be used for an actual real ATM machine. Yeah. So by using that code, not at a physical ATM machine, again, that's bank fraud. So all of these um, dispensaries that are using that method, and again, I have clients using that too, even though I advise against it, are committing bank fraud. And a lot of people said, oh, no, 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 it's, it's perfectly fine. Everybody does it. Well, two <laughs> things on that front. One, I believe you live in Colorado, so you may yeah. even, you know, Oregon, have been involved yeah. in the Oregon. Okay, sorry, um, been involved in this. But from my understanding, is like 15 years ago or 20 years ago when things got started in Colorado, cashless ATMs were the big thing. They were huge, yeah. and then all of a sudden, people woke up one day and none of the cashless ATMs worked anymore because the the banks and the credit card companies everybody got wise to it and shut it down, yeah. and they kind of stayed dormant for you know 10 years or so and then suddenly about two years ago someone said hey i got this great idea and it was basically the cashless atm idea yeah. again um and so it's kind of like we're just waiting for that to get shut down again like it has before and i personally um think it's coming because around i think it was december or january it was near all the big holidays so it got lost a little bit in the news yeah. mastercard put out a big statement saying by the way everybody in this industry if you are using a cashless atm process just remember it's illegal yeah. and in my opinion now maybe i mean it's just my opinion but that's probably a foreshadowing of some sort to say this is your warning shot yeah 
we if people don't you know stop and people haven't stopped there's probably something else that's going to come either an example will be made of somebody or you'll wake up and they'll figure out a way to turn them all off or something like that right so you know we just got to be careful with that what's the difference of okay so we talk about cashless why can't you just put a normal atm in and the customer walks up gets cash out and goes and buys their their pot that's the way that it should be done today. That's like the, the one way that's completely and utterly okay is to do that. Some states have rules, have laws against where you could put ATMs in the dispensaries okay. or who could own the ATMs because some some dispensaries are trying to buy their own ATMs and put them in there. And for some reason, certain states said, uh, we don't like that. Um, but that, you know, cash is the way to go. I mean, the other way to go that seems to be um, legitimate is there's a couple different solutions that are popping up now that are similar to Venmo. So yeah. they directly withdraw from your bank account, process the transaction, and then send it to the dispensary. And the reason why those seem to be legitimate is the company that's doing this sits in the middle of the transaction. So I go to the dispensary XYZ, I use this app, uh, this Venmo-like app, it deducts the money from my bank account. It puts it in this Venmo companies. I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to use Venmo because there's a couple yeah. of different companies out there. Venmo doesn't do it, but that's what I'm going to use. It puts it into Venmo's account. Um, yeah. You go into the same dispensary after me. You use the Venmo. It, it pulls it from your bank account. It puts it in Venmo's account. Once a day or once a week, Venmo then sends to the, to the dispensary, okay, there were 45 transactions. They totaled $10,000. Our fee is 2%. So here's $10,000 minus 2% deposited into dispensary's bank account. Um, the reason why that seems to work is because, and it's not every situation where it works, you really have to look into the, to the apps. One, there's a whole bunch of reporting that needs to be done from uh, bank to bank transactions um, yeah. and financial services to, to financial services transactions. And there's some schools of thought out there that technically, based on all the different rules that are out there, every cannabis transaction technically falls under that scope too. Um, of having, like, it's the I forget what the actual rules are, but the rule that requires banks to report, like if someone comes with ten thousand dollars of cash or takes ten thousand yeah. dollars out, those same rules. There's some interpretations right. that every cannabis-related transaction, regardless of dollar amounts, need to follow those rules. Um, these systems have all of the compliance reporting pieces built into them so my bank is transferring it to venmo's bank with all of the compliance pieces in there there's no um there's no lying about what it's for but, but it's my bank's transferring it to another financial institution um and that instead of the dispensary okay instead yeah. of the dispensary and that financial a lot of these things too their app doesn't just work with cannabis it works with cannabis it works in the adult world it works like kind of the vice yeah. world or it works with you know the vice world plus traditional businesses so yeah. it's not like i'm passing it through to just a cannabis company my bank sending it to another financial services company listing all of the accounts you know doing all the reporting that it needs to do and they're okay with it. Now, the, the Venmo type of company that sits in the middle, they have, I'm sure they have made sure they have a cannabis-friendly bank account and everything else because they are now sending the payments directly to the dispensary and re making all the recordings on their side as a financial institution that they need to make. So that's yeah. where it becomes a little, uh, I would say, 
it's I wouldn't say it's one hundred percent foolproof and one hundred percent safe, but I would you know put my ninety nine percent of the time it's probably going to be okay you know snap on that probably going to work well well that has been a wealth of information on on the deep dive and where we're going and then at the end of the day by the fine final time that we actually get something that's up and working, they're just going to pass safe banking act right. and it will all go away anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, so be careful investing in those companies that, that provide that because um, then PayPal and Stripe and Square and everyone else will be jumping head over heels into the industry. Yep. Yeah. And, Make and, sure they have, they work in other industries or have other plans once, uh, once, once they safe go. banking passes. Yeah. You've been listening to the Dope CFO Cannabis Accounting Podcast. Every other Monday, we air tips and insights on cannabis and CBD hemp accounting. Make sure you subscribe today and also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. We're pretty much everywhere for more advice, tips, industry news as well. Um, To find out more about our cannabis and CBD accounting program, visit dopecfo.com and don't forget to...